Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. That never sleeps. King of the hill, top of the heap. Can't turn it. You got those. Eh, the walk, the walk for don't, that. Don't you just love Frank Sinatra? Love my mum was in love with Frank Sinatra. Love the Rat Pack. A whole lot of them. He wasn't the most attractive man. Was oh, I he? thought he was really handsome. See, you, you, uh, and me, we just are never going to walk into a room and go for the same bloke, are we? Never. But do you know why we're you? celebrating New York today on the podcast? I have no idea. I just like the song. I just got a little gift in the post oh. from my friend Andrea, who lives in Belfast, and she just spent six nights in New York, and she kept texting me pictures of her bare feet up on a balcony with the New York skyline behind her and all the air conditioning units and stuff. Oh, I love Andrea. Oh, lovely York. Lovely, beautiful Andrea. Beautiful Andrea. beautiful Andrea. She's one of them make you sick women. Anyway, she went to a store in New York and she sent me a gift. Can you tell what story it is? G. It's got a big G on it, so it's not Gucci. No. Goop? Goop. Oh no. Now. <laughs> oh no, it's not a when I took, candle. When I took this out of the packaging, everyone, <gasps> and saw what it was, I thought, oh dear, no, I hadn't got the card yet. Yeah. Is it from David? But luckily it isn't because it's a candle. This smells like my vagina. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. So thank God it's not from a man. Should we smell it? Is this meant to be specifically Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina? It smells like jasmine. Jasmine. She's having a good old sniff here. Yes, I'm like my own boyfriend. You (laughs) smell it. Go on. It's quite small. That's a bit like mine. Well, I'll tell you what, that's not how my vagina smells after a day doing horses in the fields. I I can assure you of that. You don't need to lower the tone. (laughs) Says you with the favourite word of moist. But thank God, well, my little piece of New York was sent to me by a woman, not a man. I don't even... Who thinks of that even as a concept? Why would anyone think that you want a scented vagina candle? Why? But it doesn't smell like a vagina. It smells like jasmine. I've not smelt many. I've got to be honest. I've not been in the proximity of many vaginas. I certainly know that ain't nothing like mine. When... One of my dogs has an upset tummy. I do smell their bottoms. No, even worse, you send me a text and say, you need to smell the bottoms to see which one it is. 
because that really reminds me of a fantastic episode of Frasier, and I still rewatch Frasier because I need cheering up, really. I'm sure we all do at the moment after the last week. And there was that great episode where their, their parties were always a disaster, weren't they? Always. Whenever Niles and Frasier had a party, it was always a disaster, and they had these canapes, and the parrot ate the canapé and they wanted to know which canapé it was so they didn't kill their guests. And so Frasier goes to Niles, smell the parrot's beak, so they knew which canapé he ate. <laughs> to be honest, it's obvious they didn't have dogs and stuff because we would just dust it off and put it back on, on the table, wouldn't we? They did have a dog. They had Eddie. Oh, well, Eddie didn't count. Eddie was a person. Eddie was a person. Loved Eddie. Apparently they're remaking Frasier. No. Yeah. What, with the original actors or? With the original actors, apart from Eddie and the father who both have died. <gasps> you can't have it without Dad. I loved him. Anyway, so Andrea sent a little piece of New York to me because I miss New York so much and I kept texting her places where she should go. And I said, Andrea, go to the Mandarin Oriental Hotel, which is just by the Trump Tower. Go up to reception, which is on like the 36th floor, and this wall of windows in the bar where you overlook Central Park. It's the best view in New York. I've never been. I've never... I really want to go. How could you not have been to New York? I haven't. Every time I see, like, those films, you know, when there's snow in New York and it's all festive... I really want to go. I do want to do Christmas in New York. I would say, out of everywhere in the world... New York is the one place you go where it absolutely doesn't disappoint you and it's exactly like the films. We'll put my vagina to one side. <laughs> God. Now, do you know who my favourite author is, really? Well, not absolutely my favourite, one of. You've got loads, one-off. haven't you? You've got loads of favourite authors. Nancy Mitford. Yeah. Because she's, I think the most difficult thing to do in writing is to be funny. Anyone can write a thriller, anyone can write horror. No, not everyone can be funny. And she was funny. Oh, my gosh, she was funny. And so there was Love in a Cold Climate, The Pursuit of Love, Don't Tell Alfred, where she was married to the British ambassador in Paris. And I have been to the British embassy in Paris. Oh, my God. You've done all these things, haven't you? I've done nothing. Nothing. It's beautiful. It's this beautiful marble staircase that curves and i went to a reception You're back on there staircases again aren't you You're i love st- i've got a thing about staircases thing. it was a reception for cartier and it was hosted by the british ambassador in paris and i just kept looking at the stairs and then there's this corridor leading out to the garden it's full of british art Damien Hurst and Tracy Emmons, and it's absolutely amazing. It's just like an art gallery. Anyway, so Nancy Mitford was married to the ambassador. And The Pursuit of Love, which is about the heroine Linda running off to Paris and finding love with this handsome Frenchman, that was made on telly recently, wasn't it, starring Lily James? Yeah. I thought Lily James was very good, actually. I hadn't liked her until then. No. No, I like Lily James. So beautiful. Very beautiful. Another one, another, another bloody woman. <laughs> and I thought that adaptation was very good because we need a bit of period nostalgia. But this new book is called Darling and it's by India Knight, the columnist, who gave a reading at my wedding. 
And I also gave her a skirt, an Azalina Lyle skirt, petrol blue, too big for me. <laughs> That's the ultimate thing, isn't it? The jellyfish. <laughs> meow, meow. Drop the mic, walk away. So she's rewritten it and it's called Darling and it came out on Thursday this week. And it's The Pursuit of Love, but set now in Suffolk. Now, she wrote a piece in a Sunday newspaper at the weekend saying why she's rewritten probably the most beautifully crafted written book in the history of books. And she didn't really say why, even though the heading why I rewrote Nancy Mitford, she just gave a potted history of the Mitford sisters, which we already know, don't we? Nazis and Duchess of Devonshire and... Stella Tennant's granny and Chatsworth House. We all know that. She didn't actually say why. But the reason is because the estate of the Mitfords asked her to do it. I'm I'm surprised, really, because I think there was something she just... But these estates do it. They ask someone to carry on writing James Bond, don't they? Yeah, I just think, you know, like, we shouldn't have made a remake of Rebecca, you know. the, The first film was amazing. No one could do it the way it was done the first time round. You can't. No, but what she's done, she hasn't do. just done a remake of it written, you know, in the 30s. She's done it now. And with the Second World War, she's made it now. Only by inserting the odd Apple Mac book. Google. Yeah. The characters are still unique in that they are born in the 30s, very eccentric, very upper class. Those characters don't exist anymore. And they no. d- then you can't just move the characters to modern day times and have them exactly the same. So if you look at when Helen Fielding was inspired by Pride and Prejudice with Bridget Jones, the same plot, the same Mr. Darcy, etc. But Bridget's very modern. She's not Lizzie Bennet. She's very modern. But the problem with this book is she just kept all the characters the same and those characters don't exist anymore. Those eccentric girls who have pigs in the bedroom and wear hats, and they don't exist anymore. Girls are different. It's all about the characters, you see. I mean, there is a funny passage where she's talking about Uncle Matthew and also Uncle Matthew wouldn't exist today. He wouldn't. He just wouldn't exist. And all the things he hates. He hates pot puree, handkerchief, tissues, any public nose blowing, gratuitous thrift, as when people didn't heat their house properly when they could afford to, or bought the cheapest product to save a few unnecessary pence. He calls them penny-pinching poshos, nothing worse. He hates frayed collars, ancient holy jumpers worn in public. I actually like that. I actually like people who wear frayed stuff. Well, your joppers are the, is a yeah. prime example. He hates people from southern England who say, A, overconfident public schoolgirls with loud voices. I hate them as well. Mm-hmm. He hates imported mushrooms, salted caramel, unfaithful men with liar's eyes, high-pitched yawning. You do that. Breakfast cereals. Oh. Privileged women with rich husbands who pretend their hobby is work. Oh, love that. And always talk about how busy and exhausted they are. I could marry Uncle Matthew. He's like my perfect man. Skiers, racist, poncy sunglasses, prolonged coughing, boxer shorts, double-breasted suits, people who think they're characters, non-native wildflowers, feet, any kind of utility wear, tooth veneers. He wouldn't like me, would he? Wouldn't like you. You're you're already off of here. (laughs) 
kiwi fruit. Yeah, I don't like kiwi fruit actually. Oh, no, I like a kiwi. Ostentatious swimming pools. People who say chin chin instead of cheers. <laughs> People whose arms are too long. Dietary supplements. Bath oil. Members clubs. Cars with bull bars. Artichokes. No, I like a bull bar. Facial hair, chicory, surrey. My dad always hated Hertfordshire. Why? My dad would always say, oh, Hertfordshire, dreadful county, dreadful people. <laughs> Fussy egg dishes, yoga mats. I hated my husband's yoga mat. It smelt. It smelt. Of it, uh, it smelt of him. Is that not like a nice, earthy smell from yours? It's not like my husband? vagina candle, is it? Oh, no, no it, it's not. He also hates wellness, enoki mushrooms, the use of the word cis to describe anyone. There was also a very funny thing that people, um, if they don't like someone, they called it as some, something that won't flush. <laughs> I've not heard that before. So it is funny, and India is very clever, and obviously she went to Oxford or Cambridge or somewhere, and it's. It, but I don't see the point of it. Yeah. Because it is of its time, and she hasn't updated it. She just shoved them into a room with a electric light and a computer. But I do want to marry Uncle Matthew. He's my. We should mate. get everyone to tell us their own lists of things they hate. <laughs> we should. People who won't flush. He doesn't mean they don't flush. He means they won't go away. Yeah. No, I get that. I yes. like that. <laughs> but I've also. I think the great wit of our time, actually, isn't her. It's Catelyn Moran, because she has done a piece today on Liz Truss resigning, and we all watched it, didn't we, as she came out to the lectern. I felt really sorry for I've got to be honest, I felt really sorry for her. I but did. she didn't say sorry. No, I just, I just looked and I thought, how humiliating, 45 days, how humiliating. She summed it up perfectly, Catelyn. She said that she had this Mona Lisa smile. It was sort of... As if she had a secret and she knew something that we didn't know and it was just enigmatic, wasn't it? Why was she smiling? I don't know. Was it smiling or grimacing or trying not to cry? Just like Mona Lisa. Shall I sing Mona Lisa? No, Mona Lisa. Don't. No, 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 no. Mona Lisa. Oh. That's like we're going into Halloween week already. So Nick, you've been to see a comedy show. <laughs> I was like, what, eh? I have. I went to I see Tom Allen last night. Tell me who Tom Allen is. Well, Tom Allen has um, hosted The Apprentice. Um, you're fired. He has done Cooking with the Stars. Um, he's on the Great British Bake Off a lot. Um, is he a gay man? He's a gay man and he is absolutely fantastic. But this is, Nick, is someone who has got no sense of humour. No, and we do need to quantify this. I don't find very much funny at all. I can watch stuff. Nick and doesn't find Forty Tales funny. No, not really. I find Frasier funny. I like Fra My Michael McIntyre. But Michael McIntyre isn't funny. No, I find him funny. I find him funny. And so I surprised my mum last night with some tickets, which I've had for ages. And we went for a curry first. And so we, <laughs> we went for a curry first. And you know, like when someone says, um, we'll share the rice. I don't want to share. I don't, I don't share want my to share. food. Well, you definitely don't want to share it. Wherever we go, Liz has never got enough rice. She loves her rice. So I'm like, oh, for God's sake, I don't want to share me rice. So I shared me rice. So I said, I'll try a bit of your Dan sack. Well, I don't eat hot curries, do I? Your curries are always too hot for me. I have to put a lot of yogurt on them. 
my heart rate, my Apple Watch beeped because my heart rate went from 60 to 138 when I tried my mum's Dansac. Apparently, I went red. I was sweating. I was, I literally burnt my face off. So we'll leave that at the door. So that was before we went to Tom. <laughs> but then Nick phones in sick this morning and you wonder why. <laughs> no, my, literally, I lost the top coating of my tongue. But can you believe my Apple Watch went off? I didn't even know that was possible. So we, we, we had, I said to my mum, we're going to go and see Tom Allen. And I said, do you know who he is? Oh, yeah, I know who he is. I said, oh, okay. And she said, yeah, he's, he's the man with the grey hair. Who did she mean? I have no idea. And I'm like, no, mum, he's like a billiard ball. He has no hair. He has not got hair. He's not. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know who he is. I said, well, you don't, do you? Because he's not, he's not got grey hair. He's got no hair. So we, <laughs> he's doing a very small tour at the moment of, like, testing out his material. So he's, he was in the Georgian Theatre in Richmond, which is tiny, which he referred to as a cupboard with 12 people. And... I have to say, he was absolutely bloody fantastic. He's touring next year. Did he tell any Liz Trust jokes? He didn't tell any Liz Trust jokes. There was lots of roasting the audience. So he was he was very good at engaging the audience and roasting. And you've got to give it to Northerners. Because you know, like some people, you're in a theatre and, and the person on the stage picks on you and you're like, you want the room to swallow you up and you want to sink. Not Northerners, no chance. They're, they're practically like... Or your mum, actually. No, my mum was bouncing in the chair. We were sat too far back. It was mainly picking on people that were sort of directly around the stage. But my mum was kind of bouncing in the chair in the hope that she'd be, like, picked. And I'm like, please, no. Please, no. Control my mum. Now, this Sunday's You magazine is a very, 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 very special issue. Da, da, da. It's the 40th birthday of You magazine this That's Sunday. Nearly as old as me. And do you know who was on the cover of the very first You magazine? To all the girls I've loved before, who's walked in and out my door. Julio Iglesias. Julio, Julio. My mum used to fancy the pants off him. Do you know, I interviewed Julio Iglesias. The You magazine flew me... To Haiti. Those were the days. I had to go via Paris, and you know I hate changing planes. Oh, God, you should hear if she has to change train. Oh, my God. I don't like it. It makes me very insecure. Very anxious. Because you get off and you think, I'm never going to find the next plane and they're going to lose my suitcase, which they did when I went to meet David Cassidy. They lost my suitcase. Anyway, I interviewed Julia Iglesias not 40 years ago, I hasten to add. I would have been a mere babe, wouldn't I, almost? Uh, almost yeah <clears throat> and I went to his house and he, he had someone working at his house in ha uh, he lived in the Dominican Republic which is on the same island as Haiti there's a big wall in between them obviously I've been to Haiti as well yeah. so he lived in the Dominican Republic next door to Mikhail Baryshnikov no <gasps> the no. Russian god oh dear so I kept peeking over his fence to see if I could see Mikhail Brushnikov. You didn't Mikhel go through trash as well, did you? She likes going through bins. I do like going through you bins. You do like going through a bin. Anyway, Julia Iglesias is so rich, he had the sea next in front of his house. I want that. A little bit down the coast was a Club 1830. That which, would Which obviously him, you magazine didn't put me up in. I was in a hovel. But 
nobody from the surrounding hotel was allowed to go in front of his bit of sea. So he couldn't have anyone swim past his... He owned the sea. <laughs> so if you just sort of went further out and then she went past with your arm in the air, earlier, earlier. I'd have been going, Mikhail, Mikhail, <laughs> leap in the air. <laughs> so he owned the sea, so no one could go in front of his house in the sea. That's and he had a person whose job it was to squeeze pineapples, and he squeezed me a pineapple. Not Julio, the person No, who the person whose job it was, to squeeze fruit. Is he still alive? Julio is, yeah. Is he? I don't know about the man who squeezes fruit. <laughs> Well, it should be. It's very healthy, isn't it, pineapple juice? Anti-inflammatory. But the hotel I stayed in, in the Dominican Republic, was so awful. It was just like this awful compound. And the room, it just had wires everywhere. And it was so dangerous. And the food was disgusting. So as I checked out, it was just like a scene from Fulci Towers. She said, oh, was everything okay with your stay? I think she said it in Spanish. So I said, well, no, actually. I said, this is the worst hotel I've ever stayed in. And I swear this is true. It's just like false details. The woman behind me in the queue to check out said, no, she said, it's not the worst hotel. She said, there's another one just down the road is worse. (laughs) And what did Spanish ladies say? Great, thank you for your feedback. It was awful. You should have stayed with Julio. I should have stayed with Julio and had me pint. Anyway, he was on the cover of the very first issue of You Magazine. So in this week's issue, I've written a piece about 40 years of You magazine, and it starts, I had to audition. It was a bit like The Voice. I had to audition to get my column, and I went into the office to see the editor, Sue Peer, who's an amazing, amazing, amazing editor. She's very firm, but supportive, nurturing. She nurtured me, and I went into her office in Kensington. She had all my dummy columns I'd written, in her hand and she said you got the job she said never ever ever write about wet socks on radiators that was her advice because you magazine what is unique about it is it's not sordid it's not showy offy it's warm it's a warm spot isn't it yeah no so i never wrote about socks we have written about things like loading their washing machine and their dishwashers but it's not showy off for you, it's magazine. Off, it's no. not sordid. No. So I quickly ran home, took all the things off radiators, never wrote about them. They're never going to put anything on a radiator. Never. So I sort of reminisced in this piece about all the people I've interviewed, like Helen Mirren, who didn't... She was always touching her face. She's very expressive, whereas most Hollywood actresses never touch their face because it causes wrinkles. And there was an earthquake... And she didn't bat an eye, she just carried on wearing dresses in the garden, being shot, being interviewed by me. And there was an actual earthquake in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I wrote about interviewing Adele and how awful she was and rude to me. And I wrote about, they've actually republished the picture. I tried to put an injunction on this weekend's this year. I tried to put an injunction. They published a picture of me naked gardening. With some very delicate, is it roses? Just yeah, but they were prickly. I was, I was thinking that. And it was cold. Now, tell a lie, you are wearing something. Am I? Wellies. <laughs> Wellies and roses. And I've also reminisced about meeting beautiful, beautiful Nina and her mum, Chris, in Somerset. They live near Glastonbury. 
And that was in about 2007. And the reason I met Nina and Chris and the dad, Tim, was because I'd written a column saying, oh, my cat had died or my husband had cheated on me or whatever. And Chris wrote to me and sent me a picture of Nina with her cat to cheer me up. And I said, oh. So I wrote back and said, oh, what beautiful daughter. And she said, yes. She went to Glastonbury when she was 19 Someone gave her heroin, and she's been in a vegetative state for the last ten years. So we, ke- I went to Just to meet her, and I went to meet Nina, and Chris is now in her seventies, and they visit her twice a day in the home, Incredible, twice a day. So I mean, you've you've met a lot of famous people, obviously through doing this, but you've also met some like really incredible people that aren't famous, haven't you? Incredible! I've met so many incredible women who, for example, you know, Anne, who's the mother of Jenny, who can't move her head, she contacted me to console me, but her daughters can't move her head. And Chris contacted me because of my cats, and her daughter's been in a vegetative state. And we kept in contact, and then sometimes Chris would ring me and say, oh, and it's so sad, this particularly, and I write about it on Sunday, this particularly got to me, she said, oh, Nina's going through the menopause. And I thought, She's a young woman. Apparently, when you're in that sort of condition, you go through menopause earlier. Right. So I think now Nina's in her 40s. And to think, she was a beautiful girl at 19. She never had children. She never got married. She never saw her children go up. She's now going through the menopause, and it's all over for her. And Chris talked to me about COVID and they weren't allowed to visit. And even though Nina's in a vegetative state, she did go into a decline because she knew her parents weren't coming anymore. And now they are allowed to visit her once a day and her mum does all her personal things for her, wearing protective gowns and everything still. But I would say of all the pieces I've done in New Magazine, that affected me the most because at 19, your life has gone and I also felt so sorry for her parents because it ruined their lives as well so much respect for people that are so dedicated in that situation because they, they you do you have to give up your your life don't you and and I don't know if I could do it I just no. I mean it's weird you know I've sort of revolved my life around my animals I do so I probably could do it but it seems such a difficult way to live yeah. but you've also had a, um, a lot of features you did, you've featured Princess Diner a lot, haven't you, in your magazine? Yeah, I think I think we worked. It was quite fun, actually, because I went into the office and they gave me a desk and I had these books and books and books and books of every issue of your magazine. It was absolutely fascinating. And I think Diana was on the cover about 12 times. And I end the piece with talking about um, there was an auction of Diana's dresses in New York. Do you remember that famous yeah. auction? It was just called Dresses, auctioned by Christie's. And your magazine published by a a piece by the woman who put the auction together, who worked with Diana, who went in the wardrobe and everything. And we published the piece only about two weeks before Diana died. And there's a spooky moment in the interview where Meredith, who organised the auction, Diana, are talking and they're saying, oh, should we have a, a number 13 lot or is that going to be unlucky? And Diana says, well, I'm never going to wear any of the dresses again. I might as well auction them. It was William's idea. I'm never going to wear them again. Do you think number 13 is unlucky? Or is he dead two weeks later? I don't believe that. I don't believe number 13 is unlucky. Don't spoil my auntie, though. (laughs) I'm not 
spoiling it. You've got proof, you see. I'm just saying what I think. She's giving me all daggers. Now, moving on, your first column was published in you, wasn't it? July 2003. Yes, but don't really go on about that date, Nick. And I got them to change it on the proof because when I did my 20th anniversary in 2020... Yeah. My first column was Millennium Eve, so the turn of the century, 1999. Yeah, yeah. I wrote it January the 1st, 2000. Yeah. I kept saying to you, magazine, it is 20 years, but we need to point out the first few years were in the Sunday Times. They weren't in you, magazine. Yeah. But they erased that. Oh, they erased it from history. <laughs> so actually, although I've been doing the column since 2000, so it's now 22 years. Right. It didn't start in you, magazine until a little bit later, but they erased it from history as if the other issues didn't exist. So my column has existed for 22 years, but it didn't start a new magazine until 2003. But we're glossing over we're that. glossing over that. Didn't so happen. bad you bringing that up. But, but I thought I was bringing up an interesting little, you know, conversational piece. God. <laughs> I'm always in trouble. I am always in well, trouble. Well, you know, I have this... Front page of the Daily Mail on Thursday, Liz Jones on skinny models returning at Prada, and, and they put a link to the podcast where I talked about it as well. And in the podcast, Nick goes, oh, I didn't notice they were that thin. I just like the clothes. <laughs> you know, it's like your life's no, work did, is destroyed in an instant, isn't it? Your life's work. You can read this week's diary in full Mail on Sunday's You Magazine. Anyway, my column this week is very, very unusual because I only get a week off my column if Christmas Day is on a Sunday. So I think it's happened once or twice and it's happening this year. So I'm looking forward to this year having a bloody lie-in. Because Christmas Day falls on a Sunday. That's the only time I get a day she off. She got so excited when I bought that up. Well, wouldn't so you be excited with the day off? Very well, excited. it's a permanent holiday for you, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So I dream. have now this. I didn't have to write a column. So every, all the men I've dated and had sex with can breathe a sigh of relief because I'm revisiting the men who starred in my column so over 20x amount years. Did you not need more pages? Only, it's only been three and a half. Yeah, well, you always say three and a half. Well, then we start adding it up. There seems to be more creepy. Anyway, so it's so this column this week is also an archive. October 2006, in which I find an email from Daphne. Oh. I wandered over to my computer to check my emails. I pressed refresh. And my husband must have still been logged on to my laptop because an email to him popped up from Daphne. Nurpol. Are you still planning on coming to New York next week? Let me know what your plans are, okay? Hope all is well. Love, Daphne. So I emailed her back. Of course. Daphne, did you know you were number four of the five women he star, star, starred in India? And I pressed send. Drop mic and walk away. Schoolboy Lara leaving it logged on. School May 2007. In which she admits another affair. We could have a book of my columns, couldn't we? We could have a book of Nurple's affairs. Him. I'm such a sucker for a pretty face, he says. This is why we were on an island in Africa that cost me £26,000. I stiffen. What do you mean? Recently? Yes, he says. 
Have you slept with anyone since September when I found out about Daphne the whore? Yes, he says, in Mumbai last month at the literary festival. Who was it, I stammer, feeling the nausea rising in my mouth. There is salt on my face, but I can't tell if it's from the sea or because I'm crying too. What an ass! But why is he so cavalier about it? Why is he so proud of himself? December 2014, we're fast forwarding, (laughs) in which David finally pops the question. He then produced the ring I'd already seen on eBay for $21.99. No box, no velvet pouch, just there, naked between his fingers. He knelt in the tiny space between our table. I had booked that night the restaurant that in episode two of An American Girl in Paris, Saxon City, Carrie goes to and sits in and has lunch with Alexander Petrovsky's ex-wife. Alexandra Petrovsky was paid by... Da, da, da. Mikhail Baryshnikov. So I've been to his ex-wife's table, fiction, and his house. It's a theme, you see, this week. It started, it started on the stalker route. The couple sitting next to us looked alarmed given they had just heard us arguing. So we're arguing, and then he proposes. Time is everything. David rocks their table with his back, and their water spills everywhere. Will you marry me, he says, looking up into my face with his tiny blue eyes. Yeah. Which is the point you should have walked away. 2018, July, in which I bump into Osama bin Laden. (sighs) Oh, dear. Yep. This was at Ronnie Scott's in Soho for my other friend's birthday. Osama bin Laden was still looking at Dawn, my friend. I heard him say, Liz Jones. Dawn nodded and she gestured towards me, soaking me with her drink. I'm sure he knew I was there, but he didn't even look at me, not one glance. I now know what it feels like to be blanked, ghosted. I caught a brief glimpse of his chiselled profile and that was it. Maybe he was just intimidated. March 2022, which I dream of life with the Australian. Big one, yeah. I have two coping mechanisms. One is to search properties on websites and imagine how happy I'd be if only I lived in one of the houses. My second method is to imagine what my life will be like if Nigel, Mr Perfect, the photographer who lives in Australia comes back to the UK now that he's divorced and his daughters have grown up. Out of all the men who have crossed my path, he was the most perfect. We clicked. He would love my animals, the Yorkshire Dales. He once told me he found Sydney too claustrophobic, overlooked. I'm trapped, aren't I, he said, and I didn't act on it. Yeah, uh, you should have just gone with it, shouldn't you? You should have just, like... Yes. Do you know what the worst thing about this column of 2022 was I went on Twitter and found his ex-wife and found out that Nigel not only has a new partner but he got a puppy that's the ultimate isn't it and I went into a big decline she did she did went into a big decline but who knows what the future because how long is the puppy going to be alive 18 I've got about 18 years well I don't think it's the same as children you have to stay together till the puppy dies you do no, because you just take the puppy. You take the puppy. It's not the same as organising schools. <sighs> I'm still very depressed, really, about that. I know. I must admit, out of all of them, Quality Nigel was my favourite. 
he was very manly, wasn't he? I think he'd have, I think he'd handsome. have dealt handsome, manly, considerate. Had a job. And I think he'd have dealt with you well. Do you know well, also, I mean? we had so much banter and so much to talk about. So if I talk to you about newspapers, you've got no concept of what it's like. Well, I have now. I've learned all the words, haven't I? Filing copy... I've I've learned I've learned all the pay off the jingo. pay off peg pay off peg. Peg? What's a peg a peg is what you hang the story on yeah I've had years of this I'm getting there so me and Nige would have been like his girl Friday Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell bang 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 and very attractive in your dreams and very attractive all that banging in your dreams and very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Letters. Lettuce. Not lettuce. Lettuce? Lettuce? Eh? It's going around Liz Truss and an iceberg lettuce. Oh. Because <laughs> on t- I think it was the Daily Star who said she's lasted less time than an iceberg lettuce from Tesco, which, as we know, lasts about a month. Oh, at least. So we're not going to talk about lettuce, we're going to talk about letters. We are. Um, first thing we're going to say is next week is Halloween. I love Halloween. I absolutely love it. So we're going to have a Halloween special, aren't we? And we're going to tell all their ghost stories. I went and to Rishi Truss's, Rishi, Rishi, what's his name? Rishi Sunak. Rishi Truss, you've, you've, you've merged them. Rishi Sunak's house yesterday, because he doesn't live far away, because I was trying to peek at his bins. And I wanted to sort of see practice speeches and stuff. Outside Rishi Sunat's house is lots and lots of pumpkins because he's is got there? children. They're going to have Halloween. So carve, I thought we, we could, could go to pumpkins. his house. We could go to his house and have his pumpkins. We could carve them. We could make pumpkins and put them all outside outside airs, couldn't we? It'd be lovely. I did see him come out, though, and I'm sure he was trying not to smirk. He had this very serious face on, and I really thought he's trying he not to smirk. Was he doing a Mona Lisa smile? It, no. He, he, Mona he, Lisa! Oh, God, don't think Mona my... Lisa! So, what we would love, we're going to share our ghost stories, and what we would love is to hear your supernatural experiences, your ghost stories, and we'll read them out as letters. My mum had ghost stories. My mum was yeah. quite psychic, actually. Yeah. So, we want to hear all about that. We want to, um, you can contact us on Liz Jones' assistant at hotmail.co.uk. That's her. Or tweet us, DM us, and we would just we want to hear all your spooky stories. They've got to be true though. Yeah, we want true spooky stories and experiences. And we also have Sandra, who's a woman after my own heart, and she says, Hi Liz, I listened last week and honestly, where is your self preservation? Surely I don't have any. None, none. Surely you can't be surprised when your current boyfriend complains you slept with an ex. Some things are Yeah, but I didn't technically sleep with them. No, the cystitis thing doesn't count. It does. It doesn't. In a court of law, it does. Oh, no. I don't don't think there's any sort of like, you know. (laughs) Well, how did Bill Clinton get away with it then? Why is he not in prison? Yeah, okay. Some things are best kept quiet, or in this case, well and truly avoided. Nick is absolutely right. Don't block, then shag. We didn't shag. 
Well, something went on, didn't it? Not much. Something went on. It was enough to upset the the RS, wasn't it? So then we get Sally, who is talking about your heroin chic article that was published this week. Yes, that was on the front page on Thursday. Yeah, and she says, Dear Liz, I was horrified by your article discussing the models used at the fashion shows. You make a really good point about plus size, or what I would consider normal average size. To flatter a woman with curves, clothes have to be well cut. A very slim woman can wear anything. That's true. Slim women can wear anything and and it looks good. But for larger women, it's really important where the garment contours and how it hangs. I have had to learn myself how to dress a curvy body. When a dress is cut for a size 10, it doesn't matter how much you make the dress bigger. It's not going to look the same because the cut will be all wrong. No, and I pointed out on Thursday in Female that St. Martin's, our premier fashion school, out of three-year course... Half an hour was devoted to pattern cutting for bigger women. Half an hour. Yeah. And that's ridiculous. And if you look at like... They're just not interested. Designers like Roland Morier, isn't it? He 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 designs really well for curvy figures. And, and a, a well-cut dress is everything, isn't it? I think the only one that was great, I think Chanel was about the only designer and Stella who had bigger women on the catwalk, and they didn't, they look amazing. And I wrote in the piece, and I think it was cut. Going to the Chanel show and seeing a bigger woman was like going on a walk in the woods and you see an otter. And you think, how rare, how beautiful. Should we light my candle? Let's light your candle. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.